be up here preaching the first few times I preached. I'd be up here, and, and I would say something, and it would have nothing to do with anything. It wasn't anything in the notes, and I'd see Stan grab a pen and go, something like that. I was like, that's all I could think about. I was so distracted by that. So, Aiden, I'm just going to ignore you, not look at you today. No, not really. Actually, since he's in the front row, since he's in the front row, that means I can pick on him. But today, we're going to look at the, the Aiden's title of these, the spiritual disciplines for an imperfect life. And so, one of these things he gave me the first one today to do, and there's a bad habit that Kim and I have that we do this way, 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 way too much. And, and this is especially now the kids are out of the house, it's even more of a temptation because it's hard to cook for like just two people, so we go out to eat a lot. And my waistline shows that. So, but when we're trying to figure out a place to eat, one of the things that we decide is, you know, of course, is how good the food is. But... Sometimes the food can be really, really, really good. And, and that's where you want to go. But the service is so horrendous. It is so bad that it's like two hours before you get your food. It might even be an hour before you get served, before you even get waited on. It might be the wrong food by the time it comes to you. And then you're having to wait for more food. And the wait person might just be really, really crabby. All kinds of things that go into these factors. So we're not going to go to that place to eat. So on the other hand, there's several places where the food may not be that great, but the service is just exceptional. You go there and they, they come in and they know your name. They know who you are. They talk to you. They know about your life. And the service is prompt. There's, it's just like you don't have to ask for anything. They know it's consistent. Well, that's where you go to eat. That's where you keep going back and going back. Now, I know because at the pharmacy we are in, that's considered service industry too, but most of you, most of everybody here, we work in some sort of service industry. And it's not a fun job anymore, is it? Like people are mean. They're demanding. They're impatient. They're bossy. They want things that are just, that we just no way can, can do for them. And they're just not very nice. So as a weight person, you're expected really to just kind of take it and just do your best. Because there's that saying that goes, that, you know, Mazda heard, the customer's always right. And I've added some to it. The customer's always right, even when they're wrong. But we're supposed to just, that's what we've been taught to live by. So it's hard, this practice of serving. Who wants to serve unappreciative, mean people that probably don't even tip very well? So that's our spiritual discipline for the day, is serving. So, first, let's look at what, what did Jesus say about serving? So these are some words of Jesus that he said about Jesus. Because I think we would agree that Jesus sets an example for us of this spiritual di discipline of serving, of, of what's asked of us, that we're going to look at these spiritual disciplines over the next few weeks. And Jesus is kind of the, Jesus is the example of a lot of them. So let's look at Matthew 20, verse 28 together. And this is Jesus. He's setting the example for us. It says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Kind of gets tricky here. Because Jesus is saying he didn't come to be served. The story also, there's in the Bible, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. This is John 13, verses 12 through 17. Verse 15, it says this. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. This example of serving. 
not to be served, but to serve. Well, something that we also hurry a lot is I serve Jesus, or we serve Jesus. We serve, like that's something, in fact, I looked up, there's an old hymn. It's called Joy of Serving Jesus. The chorus says, there is a joy, joy, joy in serving Jesus. Well, if I'm looking at what Jesus says, I didn't come to be, to serve, to be served, but to serve, it seems that him was wrong, right? Jesus is telling us he wasn't to be served. Are you seeing a problem here? Because there's a problem, at least for me. Then the question is, is who do we serve? So there's some choices, I think. We can serve ourselves. We can serve each other. Or we can serve God. So what we've read so far, I think it's an obvious choice that we serving ourselves is, is really not an option. Jesus is somebody, because he is God and he can do all kinds of things, all these signs and wonders that I talk about, Jesus could easily serve himself. So I think it's clear that we are not to serve ourselves. And Jesus is washing his disciples' feet. And so we should follow that example and I think, well, maybe we should serve one another. So are we serving, are we to serve each other? I would say yes. But I say that in the, in these, with this caveat or this, this little, little, little bit of thing is that we serve because we're with each other and that's how we serve is we carry out serving as we serve one another. But who are we really serving in that? Because it's, it's not that, that it's not really, it, that's cut and dry. It's not really that easy. It's not really each other, I don't think, that we are serving. Because it is what we're serving. It is who we're serving, but it's not who we're serving. So let's look at Matthew 25, 40. It says, the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So, yes, you're serving each other, but you're serving the king. We're ultimately serving the king. Serving each other, but doing it for this love and this obedience for the king. The one who I talked about, the king, this kingdom of God, this is the one that established the kingdom. This kingdom that goes on forever. Jesus talked about it, this kingdom of God. Now there's a th- common thread that runs through the Bible. In, in regard to who we serve. Joshua chapter 23 through 24. I'm not going to read both chapters. I'm going to read a, a fairly long section out of there. But this is Joshua 24 verses 14 through 24. We see over and over and over who the Israelites are serving. They're serving the Lord. They're serving Yahweh. They're serving God. So let's look at this. And just look at how many times. Here's the first one. It says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. There's one. Throw away the gods of your ancestors, worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and serve the Lord, two times. But if serving the Lord, three, seem undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in those whose lands you were living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Four times. Then the Bible answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our parents out of Egypt from that land of slavery. Perform those great signs before your eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations among 
through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. He will forsake if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on, your, on you and make an, an end of you after he has been good to you. But the people said to Joshua, No, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, we are witnesses, they replied. Now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, We will serve the Lord our God and obey him. That's like eight times in ten verses. There's more verses that we can look at. We're going to look at a couple more. We can see this theme throughout. Just so I can show you that it's, this is Old Testament, now some new to us. Look, let's look at Luke 4.8. These are Jesus' words. It says, Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. One more verse, Ephesians 6, 7. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. Who do we serve? We serve the Lord. We serve God. We serve God, but how we do it is we serve one another. Not expect... We serve one another. So we serve one another as if we're serving God. We serve God. Now, I bring up this. What resonated with me, not just serve the Lord of Joshua, this passage, but this is something that we haven't yet discussed that I think is really applicable to our lives. There are other things that we serve that prevent us from serving God. There's things that we fill our lives with. This past month, this is what my, my life has been. For, for me right now, last month especially, it was my time. I was serving my time because I was so busy and I had so many plates spinning around in the air that that, that was at the forefront of my, my, my life. So my attitude just wasn't very good. My attitude was really as if I was serving myself just to make it through the day. It wasn't really that I was ser- ser- serving the Lord. It was about me. It was about my stuff that I needed to get done. Stuff that I had in my life. That There were also things that I made choices. They weren't just things that were put in my plate. They were things that I made choices. But are you noticing there's a word that I've seen over and over? I, I, I. Now this month, it's a new month. There's some things that have ended. The new month has started. And that time, I'm protecting that. Because I'm leaving that for me to serve God. Whatever it is that God puts in my life, to serve Him. Changing my attitude. And I'm learning to serve wholeheartedly as if I am serving the Lord. Now, the Israelites, it says in this, it says in this that, that they had these 
these little G gods in their life. They had these things that they worshiped more than they worshiped the Lord. Joshua tells, tells the people, he says, you know what? Our God is jealous. He doesn't want, he, he's a jealous God. He wants you to serve him only. The question we need to ask is, do I have things in my life that make God jealous? Something that's in my life, in your lives, that keep us from serving only God. Maybe, maybe some of you that resonate with you that your life is just so busy that you need to give up something or some things in your life that keep you from serving God. You might be serving things in your life rather than serving God alone. So what is in your life that is keeping you from serving God? You serve that more than you serve God. I want you to, we're going to look at a passage at 2 Kings, verses 22 through 23. We're going to look at a lot of Bible passages today. I apologize for that. I, don't, I know I don't apologize for that. I'm saying we're going to look at the, we're looking at the Bible a lot today. This is about Josiah. Josiah is the king of Judah. Josiah, these kings of Judah, there was, there was two splits of the kingdom. There was the, the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. Judah was the one that actually, there was a few rulers that followed, followed God. But he became king, and Judah was not following God at all. But then one day, the book of the law, God's word was found, and somebody read it to Josiah. Now, can you imagine a world where, like, God's word, the Bible, is just nowhere to be found? That, that all of a sudden somebody finds one and people start reading it and their lives are changed? That's well, kind of the world we live in right now. People don't know the Bible. They've never heard the stories of the Bible. So Josiah hears these and he decides, we're going to start serving God. These are the words he says. It says, furthermore, Josiah got rid of the mediums and spiritists the household gods, the idols, and all the other detestable things seen in Judah and Jerusalem. This he did to fulfill the requirements of the law written in the book of Hilkiah, the priest had discovered in the temple of, of the Lord. Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did, with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength, in accordance with all the law of Moses. What do we need to clean our house up? What is in our house? What is in our lives that we need to clean out that keep us from serving God? Now that's a question we need to ask ourselves. I've got a, lot of, I've got a big list I can make for my own life. You make your own list. But let's serve God and serve God alone. So the question is now, how do we serve? We dress that a little bit by the Ephesians 6-7. That we serve as if we're serving, serving the Lord. That we're serving God. Now, isn't there a difference? There's a difference in attitude, right, of who you're serving. If, if someone's important. If, like if it's a famous, important person. So there's a commercial right now with T. Swift in it that is about credit cards. Now that's Taylor Swift for some of you people that aren't Swifties around here. So she's in these different locations and these people are just awestruck with this famous person that they're serving. Now, we all want to serve important people, famous people. Why? Because they're going to probably leave a big tip. But what about those not important people? Those people that we 
barely will give the time of day. Those people that we, most of society doesn't even know they exist. We probably, maybe we don't want to serve them. We want to leave those for somebody else. We ignore them. Wait for them maybe to leave. We don't even serve them at all. But God's asking you to serve them. Now, if we see everyone as if we are serving God, wouldn't it follow that you would see everyone as important? It doesn't matter who it is. You do all you can do to give the best service you possibly can because you are serving God himself. Who can be more famous than God? So let's, let's look at some more scripture. Colossians 3.23 Whatever you do, work at it with all your hearts as working for the Lord, not for human masters. So at your job, at your home, at church, on the streets, any place you find yourself, you serve the other person. You serve them with all you heart, your heart. You give it everything you have. And it's not just, you're, you don't see this as just a person. You see this as you are serving God. Not serving for, well, what I can get out of it. I, don't you think our attitudes would change? We were really looking at, we are serving God. Now, there's been mission trips that I've been on, and, and inevitably it happens. Like you just get a bad attitude. Something happens, you don't agree with something, you get overwhelmed, you get discouraged, all kinds of things. And then I've also led mission trips, and I see this happen in people. They go through that same experience that our attitudes change, and we don't see ourselves as serving God. We start to serve ourselves. We start to serve that attitude. We start to lose focus on why we're there serving. And we need a pause, and we need to get back to, you know what, I'm here serving God. And I'm going to serve God. And usually on those trips, we, all of us get back to that. So how can we serve? Well, there's, there's some simple things. Like Teresa's got a list out there. If, if you want to serve around the church, just put your contact information down and, and, and write that down. And, and somebody will contact you in the next couple of weeks. But you can serve outside the church. The church isn't the only place you can church. There's lots of organizations around here on the south side that you could serve at. We haven't done a missions trip at Hope Center in quite a while, so maybe next year we can look at maybe doing one, or in the, the, in the next couple of years we can do that. There's, like I said, organizations around that you can contact them and, and see where they need help. But those are really, those are obvious places, right? Those are ones that if you ask where can you serve, you'll, you'll name up some of those things. How about places where really are really good places to serve, but you might not mention those, like our jobs, what do you think would happen if that person at work that you didn't like very well, you changed your attitude and you decided to serve them? And you didn't see them as to get something from them. You saw that as, I'm serving God. What about our homes? There's, some, there's a couple children in here, but children, what happened instead of fighting your parents every time they asked you to do something, you did it before they even asked you. Like you just anticipated it. Now, someone might drop dead of a heart attack, but I think it's worth the risk. Yeah. Husbands, you started serving your wife, not waiting for them to nag you for the 100th time to do something. You did it again before she asked. You saw things that doing things for your wife is, is, is serving God, not serving 
blank. And I'm not going to mention the, Tim, the word that Tim used to call Teresa before service because I'm not that brave. You can ask her. I'm not that brave. You Guys, you fill in that blank. But I imagine your marriage is going to be a lot better. Wives, I'm not going to speak for you because I'm not one, so I, I'm, not, I'm only going to pick on myself. But I bet there's a few things, just, to, just really small things that you could think of that you could serve your husband about. But remember, it's God you are serving. Well, your husband might think he's God, but he's really not. It might be best to just kind of leave that where it's at and move on. So I'm going I'm to just leave that. But wives, I think you know what I mean. But I do have to say this one last thing. Husbands, you're not God. You're not God. Families, start serving each other. Not just expecting things or demanding things of each other. You served as each other as if you're doing it for God. On the streets. We've had reports a couple weeks ago that people are stealing things even outside in the lobby. Like, you stop stealing things. You stop seeing what you can get from somebody as your motivation or what, what's in it for me. Instead, you start serving each other as, as you're serving God. Because that's the difference, isn't it? Right now, we don't see ourselves as serving each other as, as if we're serving God. We see it as our motivation is, well, what's in it for me? What can I get out of this? I don't know about you, but I think if God walked in this room, because I think God's a pretty big deal. And I imagine that if you didn't know God, and you, God walked in and you, you would go, that guy's a big deal. And I bet more than likely you would bend over backwards and you would try to serve him. So the answer to how do we serve? We serve as if we're serving God. Everything we do, our lives, everywhere we are, we serve God. Everything that comes in our way, it's an opportunity to serve God. Because you know we're all in the service industry. Serving each other as if we're serving God. Now Aiden gave me this discipline to work on as I'm working like this sermon kept getting longer and longer and longer and longer and and I'm going to serve you I'm going to cut it off here pretty soon I'm going to cut it but I, and actually I cut a lot of it out so if you have any questions good there's some things that I was pretty short on pretty vague on you probably have questions and you probably have lots of questions it's Aiden's sermon series so let let him serve you and ask him <laughs> don't ask me so one last thing to look at what should we expect by serving? This one is easy. Nothing. Nothing. Look at Luke 6:35 with me. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Expect nothing. There's a commentator that, that I'm going to quote him. That, uh, about this verse. It says, God's people do these actions not so they ca- can be God's people, but because they are God's people. Their attitudes and values reflects God's attitudes and values because God himself is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. So should his followers be. We don't serve t- to expect to be God's people. We can't, we can't do something to, to become God's people. We are God's people. If we are God's people and we serve like we are serving God as God's people, we should expect nothing. Because we've already gotten it. 
We should have the security of knowing that when I accept what Jesus did on the cross, when Jesus served me on the cross, when he forgave my sins, that I am in this family now. My sins are forgiven. My identity as a son or daughter of God, that as the commentator said that I said, I am one of God's people. As a son or daughter of God, that is our identity. I serve as if I'm serving God, who is our Father. We want to serve our Father, and we expect nothing from the person we are serving. Our rewards are already being given to us by God's love. God's love when he provided Jesus to die for our sins on the cross, and we become into this family. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We serve because we are loved by God. We serve because we are a son or daughter of God. And we don't need to earn that love. That love's already been given to us. That love is complete. Our reward, our reward really is, is that sonship, that daughtership, being in this family of God, this eternal life with God, being in His presence forever as a son or daughter. Now, I know I talk a lot about being a son or daughter of God. But that's a big deal to me. It's a really big deal. God the creator, God who created me, who created you, there is no other God. Saying, you know, there's a saying that my dad is tougher than your dad. Well, our God, our father, our dad, he is tougher than anybody else's God. A God that loved us so much that he sent his son to serve us. Jesus who served us to his death on the cross. So look at Matthew 19, 27 through 29. Jesus is talking to his disciples. They're asking, they're kind of whining maybe a little bit. They're saying, you know, we gave up everything to serve, serve you. Like, what's in, this, what's in this for me? Peter answered him, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, and brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. It's not what I get now. Serving God, I'm not going to receive anything right now. I shouldn't expect anything right now other than I'm a son or daughter of God and that God's going to give me more opportunities to serve him. Jesus is saying, once again, your reward, this in, your inheritance, your inheritance is eternal life with our Father, eternal life with God as a son or a daughter. You're loving the Father. Now that I've bombarded you with verses, trust me, I could give, there's a, there's a lot, lot more. Imagine if we started to look at our lives as if we are serving God. We're not serving our boss. We're not serving our spouse. We're not serving our job. We're not serving our children, our stuff, whatever it is. We might even see someone as our enemy, and we start serving them as if we are serving God. And you might ask, well, how do I do that? How do I serve my enemy? Maybe that's an answer to the question of how do we serve. And I saved this for last goes with how do you serve but we serve with love love that God had for us 
love we have for God. Love that we have for each other. Through love, we serve one another, but ultimately we're serving God. Let's look at these verses out of 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. This is the first part of 8. You guys know these verses. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Love never fails. Serving God by serving one another, because our love for one another will never fail. God's love for us never fails. It's in this love that we serve. Lord,